In this episode, I talk about the new season of The Kids in the Hall and more about how I met your mother. What more could I possibly have to... I also talk about new music from Aiden Mursky and also old music from Chamber Band, among other things. The cats are running around in the background already. You can probably hear that even in the intro. Hang in there. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, checkmates of all shapes and sizes. Hope you're doing okay. I'm coming to you from my kitchen here at the old homestead. Uh, The refrigerator is running, so is the air conditioner, so are the cats. So sorry about uh, some background noise in this episode. Working on it, man. It's uh, not been easy (laughs) here lately to get a good sound environment. Just, it's just, just not happening with the current setup of my house. Because I still don't have a couch in the house. Uh, listen to other episodes for that. Still don't have a couch in the house. They haven't uh, delivered it. The cats do not mind. The cats are running around having fun on the hardwood. Uh, but uh, And you'll hear that as the show goes on. Uh, you probably just heard them run by there while I was talking. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I miss having a couch. Really do. My back hurts all the time now because I'm largely sitting at a bar stool at my, at my uh, kitchen counter. It's not fun. It's also impacting the show in that uh, I haven't watched a ton of stuff here lately, uh, or if I have, it's been stuff that I'm familiar with, because I don't want to sit and watch a movie or a show that's, like, brand new to me uh, and sit in, effectively, my kitchen, craning my neck to see the TV in the living room. I I don't want to watch TV that way. Uh, I want to sit on a couch. I did do a little bit of watching this week, and we'll get into that in an upcoming segment, which I did a combination of sitting on the floor like a kid, crisscross applesauce and whatnot, and uh, uh, also on a drum throne that I have in the room um, for, I don't know, I guess emergencies. Um, That wasn't ideal, but it kind of worked-ish, and it's sort of what I'm stuck with at the moment. So... Uh, This episode is probably going to be short, is what I'm saying, because I don't have a ton to talk about, because I haven't uh, haven't done a ton. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I was also hoping that this episode would be a Fab 15 episode with my brother Dave back, but we haven't been able to sync up schedules to get a record to happen there. Uh, That'll happen sooner or later. We'll get uh, we'll get we'll get that working. Uh, I'll even tell you the. uh, the next Fab 15 subject we're going to be talking about is uh, uh, Fab 15 soundtracks, movie soundtracks. Uh, no scores, nor no orchestral scores, no musicals, um, and uh, you have to wed yourself to what's actually on the soundtrack album, not the movie that's in, or not the music that's in the movie that they maybe didn't put on the soundtrack for whatever reason the actual released album. Those are the main rules that we've uh, kind of established. I think Dave is going one farther, and his, uh, his list is going to be, like, it's the soundtrack has to have a song that 
is very identified with that movie. You know, I think he's going that far with it. I'm not going quite that far. But uh, uh, I think that'll be a good episode whenever we can sit down and do it, um, <laughs> which hopefully will be soon. Uh, the last half of May gets really weird because my uh, niece and nephew have a birthday. They're twins. They uh, have a birthday in the middle of the month. My birthday is at the end of the month, as is, as is Memorial Day, uh, as are dance recitals for his kids and stuff like that. And, you know, it just May gets out of hand. Um at least for the two of us, possibly also for the rest of you, if you also have small children in dance recitals or having their end-of-the-year performances with the school band or what have you. Uh, it's it's just been hard to get a time. But we're working on it, and there will be a Fab 15 episode soon, and it'll be a lot of fun. In the meantime, I'm doing shows with whatever I can think of to talk about, and I'm, I'm a little bit... Uh, low on ideas at the moment. Unless you just want me to talk about my cats for an hour. I can do that. Those guys are great, and I can talk about them forever. They're running around right now, uh, and, and they're wonderful. Uh, the One of the more fun experiences I've, I had with the cats this week is I introduced them to the music of Amy Mann, big Amy Mann fan, as you know. Uh, played six of her albums for them over the course of like a couple of days. And uh, when, I, when I had only played four of them, I, uh, <laughs> I, I tweeted you know, to Amy Mann that, like, the cats were loving her music, and, because this is true, when I put on Amy Mann's music, the cats just kind of, just kind of chill out and sort of settle and climb up in my lap for purrs and cuddles and naps and stuff, and, like, that is exactly the right reaction for a cat to have to Amy Mann's music, uh, and, uh, Amy Mann liked that tweet, so that felt good. Uh, maybe I'll put a screenshot of that on the, on the blog or whatever. And speaking of the blog, if you like the show and you want to know more about it, you can go to the companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. If you want to know more about me, go on over to derekbrink.com, and there's plenty of stuff to click on there. It's mostly about my music career, and if you like the music that you do hear throughout the show, you can download it all for free at derekbrink.bandcamp.com. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and I don't collect your email. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And, of course, the show itself is also available on whatever podcasting app you're streaming it on right now, presumably. Uh, so, there. Uh, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna do a show here for you today. It's maybe gonna be a little bit of a shorter one. I'm not even drinking while I'm recording this, so we'll, uh, we might get through this in record time. Uh, nevertheless, I think it'll be fun, and hopefully we'll have a really fun Fab 15 episode for you here soon, but for, for now, you're stuck with just me, just your, your little old Uncle Derek. Big old Uncle Derek. Your, uh, adult man-sized Uncle Derek. Let's... Sorry. watch TV in the house here lately. As I mentioned in the intro, I am lacking a couch, and that is making things very difficult, as I'm sure you can imagine. 
Um, it's also, uh, when I sit on the floor, uh, I discovered recently uh, it's a spider season here in St. Louis. So, uh, uh, that's been a problem at least once. Um, nothing too horrifying there, but, you know, y it does make you want to not sit on the floor, you know? Um, and, you know, the cats are around and they actually seem to like it when I sit on the floor because they have a lap to sit in. So that's <laughs> yeah, unlike when I'm sitting on a bar stool at the, at the kitchen counter, my legs are sloped down. They can't sit on that. So, uh, <laughs> it's, you know... You take the good with the bad, I suppose, but I haven't had a couch, which has made watching TV somewhat difficult. That said, I did get a little bit of watching in, and uh, one of the things that I watched, I was very, very excited to watch. I had been waiting to watch for a long time, as have probably many of you. Uh, I checked out the new season of The Kids in the Hall on Amazon Prime, at least as of the time that you're hearing this. Uh, checked out the new Kids in the Hall. Uh, I'm a big Kids in the Hall fan, as is almost anyone that you talk to who was around in the 90s. Uh, Kids in the Hall, if you don't know who they are, they're a sketch comedy group, sort of the Canadian version of Monty Python, if that helps you, but it's it's not quite the, the same vibe, but it's a similar vibe. Uh, five guys who uh, play all of the main parts in their sketches, including the female parts, they dress in drag and stuff. And uh, very acerbic, very punk rock, very anti-authority, uh, uh, anti-authoritative, uh, uh, anti maybe is the word I was trying to say, uh, type of humor, just very kind of counterculture, alt-comedy stuff. And um, they had a show in the 1990s that was a sketch show and showed on Comedy Central here in the, in the States. I'm not sure where it showed elsewhere. And also on HBO for a bit, at least. Uh, and just... Watching it was like nothing you'd seen before. I mean, as anything like that should be. It was just very, in places, very vulgar, in places borderline offensive, even if you're not easily offended, uh, upsetting, <laughs> sometimes gross, always funny. Uh, I, I, I have a very long love affair with that show, and there's stuff from that show that's just worked its way into my life, and I just, I randomly blurt out kids in the hall phrases all the time. They, uh, their show wrapped up, I think, in 1995, something like that, or is that when it started? It, uh, it wrapped up after, I think, just a few seasons, I think four or five seasons, and they went on to do a movie called Brain Candy, which I think I've talked about on the show in the not-too-distant past. Uh, the concept of that movie, and it was a full-length f full feature movie that you know, didn't have the sketch element. It was an actual plot and stuff. The, the, the concept of that was somebody essentially invents a happy pill, and everybody in the world starts taking the happy pill, and people get way too happy, basically, is, is the long and short of it. There's a little bit more to it than that, but that's that's the... That's the sort of bird's eye view of it. And Brain Candy is a movie that I really, really like, that I saw in theaters when it first came out, and I, I, I loved, and I talk to people about Brain Candy frequently, and so many people say, really? You know, and because uh, it did not do well. Um, partially because the people who were marketing it couldn't market their way out of a paper bag, and uh, also because uh, it was just very different from the sketch show that people loved. So it, it had a couple things working against it. The worst thing working against it was it just had virtually no marketing. Just nobody, nobody 
was willing to just fall on the grenade and say and stick their name to that movie and say yes we're going to we are selling this movie you know and just nobody nobody seemed to give a shit about marketing the movie it was just kind of all right those guys are having their fun we're letting them do this because we know Lorne Michaels and uh he said that they're okay so <laughs> it just it seemed like that's what it was uh so brain candy kind of fell apart before it even got in the theater uh, I think at one point Dave Foley quit during it. It was just uh, an ugly situation. Um, that was followed up by Years of Silence, <laughs> and they then reunited to do a couple of tours together, get back to their roots, play theaters, and, and make people laugh in a live setting, which is always fun if you're an improv guy. And they, d they did a lot of improv and also their own you know established sketches and stuff. Uh, so they did a couple of tours and stuff like that, and eventually a new sort of mini-series called Death Comes to Town, which I really liked, again, but I never hear anybody talk about, uh, because it is it is very grim, and it's very different, and it's, it's again, a mini-series. It's got a plot running through it, so it's not really the, uh, it's not really the, the sketch variety type thing. Uh, but I really liked it. I thought it was funny. I've watched it a few times since. I've got the DVD. Be prepared for a big post of, uh, like, several pictures of the DVDs and stuff for the Kids in the Hall segment of the show over on the blog at emptychecking.blogspot.com. Uh, yeah, so Death Comes to Town happened, and then again some silence and tours and things like that. And uh, it culminated in, recently, they inked a deal to do a new season of shows for Amazon Prime. Eight episodes. They were given eight episodes. Hopefully they get picked up for more, uh, but for now we got eight. Uh, and right when that happened, a little thing called the global pandemic hit. So <laughs> that uh, colored the uh, the production of it a little bit. The kids in the hall have a history of being up against production problems or promotion problems or, you know, of course the thing that happens right as the kids in the hall announce that they're going to do a new series is the world shuts down <laughs> for a global pandemic. Of course that's what happens, you know? Um, so th there were problems there in that the original kids in the hall show was filmed with a live audience and you got the live reactions and this one could not be. And frankly, I think that hurt it a little bit because it, helps if you're watching the show, especially if you're watching the show by yourself, it helps to have at least some clue of where the laugh line is supposed to be, because some some of the jokes they tell are almost non-jokes, or are the joke is in the bleakness of it rather than in a punchline, and that that kind of joke, it really helps to have an audience laughing, or at least somebody else there with you laughing, and that was not present in this particular version of the show. But knowing that, I sat and watched it, and uh, really that's the one recommendation I would have really made for the show, was look, it's 2022, there are decades and decades of pre-recorded audiences out there, add a laugh track. Like, I know it won't be real laughs, add a laugh track to the thing. Uh, that is the one piece of advice that I would have given. But otherwise, it struck about the right tone. Uh, it wasn't quite as, um, I mean, there, you could see where they dialed a few things back, but you could also see where they ramped a few things up. It's, uh, it's difficult in the world of quote-unquote cancel culture to write a, 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 a subversive comedy show. 
Uh, but I think they did a pretty good job with it. A lot of it's really, really funny. And I guess now we're getting into some spoiler territory. So, spoiler alert for the new Kids in the Hall stuff. Because uh, I've got to talk about it. Yeah, you know, because I'm reviewing it. I've got to talk about it. So go to the go to the blog. Look at where the time index is. Go over to emptychecking.blogspot.com, or it should show up in the episode notes of whatever you're listening to this on. Look at the time index, and if you haven't already clicked away from this because you haven't watched it yet, click away now. Click to the next segment now, because I'm going to be getting into some spoiler territory here. Uh, starting now. Spoilers from right now onward to the end of the Kids in the Hall segment. Uh, by the way, there will also be spoilers for How I Met Your Mother, but whatever. Uh, Kids in the Hall. Uh, the new series is very dark, very bleak in a lot of places, which, again, works if you know where the laugh beats are. Uh, but it, that does hurt it a little bit, that you don't necessarily always know where the laugh beats are. But it's very bleak, very dark, very gritty and ugly in, in some of its jokes. Um, one of the highlights of it, uh, I'm look, I'm just going to tell you, don't watch this with anyone who's like under the age of like 18, probably, or like, don't watch this with anybody that you know has never seen a grown man naked, because in the first episode, you're going to see two grown men naked. And that's Kevin and Dave are completely naked. You see absolutely everything, uh, which... In fairness, I've been a Kids in the Hall fan since the 1990s, so it it felt weird that I hadn't seen those two guys naked, because uh, it, it just seemed like I probably had by now. But uh, uh, yeah, they, they did a full-on nude thing up front, which was really funny and very surprising. It set a tone for the rest of the series that, frankly, it couldn't live up to. But uh, it was, you know, you start with your biggest joke, and they did. And, uh, uh, neither of those guys has anything to be ashamed about. I'll say that. Uh, but, uh, because, yeah, I looked. Sure, why not? Uh, but, uh, uh, very shocking, very surprising to see that. And, uh, wow, more power to them. They flat out, they went for it. <laughs> they, they, they went for it. Uh, but very funny. And that was the biggest joke, the biggest laugh that you had for the entire series. Which is kind of a shame, because there was a lot of stuff that was funny throughout the rest of it, but uh, it didn't quite live up to that. Like the sketch where uh, Kevin plays the woman who uh, misnames a tort a, a little pie. And, you know, it, that is a really funny bit. But it wasn't as funny as seeing those two guys naked. Uh, and, uh, uh, the Shakespeare's bust bit was a really funny bit. Not as funny as seeing those two guys naked. What else? I'm trying to think. Uh, Friends of Mark. I liked the Friends of Mark sketch, even though it was really weird and out there. Not as funny as seeing those two guys naked. And so it, it just kind of, maybe if I'd watched it over more days or something, it would have played a little bit differently, but I kind of marathoned it. And, and if you do it that way... Yeah, nothing lives up to seeing those two guys naked. Um, and uh, and some of it very much doesn't live up to seeing those two guys naked. Every now and again, I, I mean, I love the kids in the hall, but every now and again, they do a sketch that I just go, yeah, I don't know what they thought was funny about that. I, not that I'm offended, just that, like, I don't know what the joke was in that. There's nothing 
there was no joke in that sketch, you know? And there's there's a few of those in here, and there's a few where, like, okay, I see what the joke is in this sketch, and you're making it 20 years too late, is uh, the other thing that kind of pops up a few times in the series. Um, but <laughs> did you guys hear that? That was Jonko meowing in the background. Jonko looking for attention. Hey, buddy. I don't know if you heard that. That was unprecedented. Uh, the guys are kind of playing near the t near the TV. Um, sorry, th that broke my train of thought completely. Uh, wh whatever I was saying before, I don't want it to sound like I didn't like it and like I didn't have a good time because I did like it and I did have a good time. I got a couple of really good laughs in every episode of the show, and that's really all you can ask from a sketch show in particular. And looking back at the old Kids in the Hall sketch shows, yeah, I probably really only got one or two really big laughs per show. And that's enough. That made them legends in my mind. That made me love them for 30 years or whatever it's been. And they're doing that again. So I'm happy. You know, there are criticisms you can make. The, some of the, the jokes are of a different era. Some of the jokes are a little bit too far ahead of themselves. Some of the jokes are too broad. Some of the jokes are way too narrow. It really needed a laugh track. It really did need a laugh track. These are the criticisms you can make. Uh, you can even make the joke that, or the, you can even make the criticism that too many of the jokes were dependent on how old they'd gotten. They made a lot of jokes about how old they are now, which, yeah, they went to that well quite a bit. Uh, my favorite iteration of that was in the sketch where it was Mark and Dave, or sorry, Kevin and Dave, and uh, Kevin's criticizing Kevin McDonald's sketches, and Dave is agreeing with him, and, and up until Dave realizes that he's in a Kevin McDonald sketch, so it kind of played, it played to sort of the, the meta-joke world, and that worked for me on a big level. I, I loved that. I thought that was really funny. I laughed really hard at that. Uh, and that was dependent on them having been around for a long time and them being sort of passe, and, the, and that, that was kind of the crux of the joke, and it worked. But they did go to that well a lot. That's a fair criticism. But every time they went to that well, I laughed at it, and I thought it was funny, and I was like, ha I've gotten old too. You know, it, it worked for me, and I think it'll work for a lot of people. It seems like it's working for a lot of people. I've read negative reviews, but I've read mostly overwhelmingly positive ones. And I hope it leads to another 8, 10, 12 episodes, because I would love to watch more and see what they can do with a little bit more control over how they get to make the show happen, because I really think if they can get it in front of an audience, which they can now, I really think if they can get it in front of an audience, it's going to help a lot. But uh, I, I just want to see what they can what they can do with more. There's a joke in the show, and I don't know how true it is, but there's a joke in the show that Dave didn't write anything for this particular run of shows. And if that's true, one, I can feel that, I understand, uh, but two, I really want to see what Dave's writing now, you know, if he, if he didn't write for this. Um, so yeah, I, I hope they get more, because I love the kids in the hall. I, I'm not going to say that I loved the, uh, the most recent series. I'm not going to say that I loved it. I am going to say I really, really liked it. It made me happy, and it made me want more. So not loved, but really, really appreciated, and I definitely want to see more of it. And that's, uh, that's a good thing. That's a good feeling to have. I'm glad to see these guys 
A, all of them still around, and B, all of them still doing it, you know, and doing it together. That's really cool. It just makes me happy anytime any of these guys turns up in anything. I watched uh, Superstore, for God's sake, and uh, <laughs> it just makes me really happy anytime any of these guys shows up in anything, and it makes me even happier when two of them show up, and even happier when three of them show up, and this time we got all five, you know? Plus Paul Bellini. It just felt nice. And it made me happy. And that's all you can ask of this type of thing. Another thing that made me happy, that if you had talked to me a year ago, six months ago, I wouldn't have thought would've, is uh, my I, I've concluded my rewatch of How I Met Your Mother. Now, I talked about it a little bit in the last episode, so I'm not going to get too deep into it here. But I hadn't finished it when we last met, and I have since. When I initially watched the show, when it was airing for the first time, I loved the show right up until the last season. The last season made me furious and made me think I'm never going to watch this again. I then decided, well, I'll give it a chance. I'll watch it again. A couple of things from that are in my head, and... I just kind of watched it, and I started having fun again. It started out, I just felt, oh, this hasn't aged well at all. Uh, why were we laughing at this at the time? But it then kind of softens a little bit, and uh, maybe I kind of softened a little bit watching it and kind of remembered what I loved about it, and I started having fun again, and I started being invested again. And I'll tell you, on my initial watch, the last season is really where they lost me. I loved that show and every episode of it right up until the last season. Sorry, by the way, if you hear a Google chat popping up in the background. I've got a couple things going at once. Uh, no, anybody who's listening to this that I work with, I am not doing this during my work day. I just <laughs> I use Google chat in my personal life as well. So sorry if you guys hear that in the background. I've got something I'm waiting on news about. Um, uh, yeah, How I Met Your Mother. I loved uh, I loved that right up until the last season when they lost me because I thought they turned way too hard, especially in the last episode or like two episodes, I guess, because it's split up into two on the uh, uh, streaming services and on the, the DVD. I believe as it aired as the finale, it was only one long, hour-long episode. But uh, uh, it's split up into two now, and I just thought that final episode turned way too hard because, oh, okay, major spoiler alerts, especially for the very end of How I Met Your Mother. If you have not seen the end of How I Met Your Mother and you think that one day you might, again, look at whatever episode description you can find that tells you where this segment ends and skip this part. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Uh, at, at the very end of it, I mean, I liked that we met the mother, whose name is Tracy, uh, I liked that we met the mother before the end of the show. You know, I don't think it should have ended with, and that's how I met your mother, and here she is for the first time. I liked that we got to know her and kind of fall in love with her and see what Ted loved about her. I really liked that, and that was, uh, I think, very into season eight and through season nine. Uh, but uh, what what I didn't love was the final episode. And... Uh, because the, the, the previous two years had been spent on essentially Barney and Robin's wedding day, figuring out how did Barney and Robin end up engaged? Why are they having a wedding? What is that wedding going to be like? It's going to be zany. We spent basically two years on that. And in the 
Last episode, I'm gonna refer to the last two episodes as the last episode, because in my brain it's one episode, because I'm sure that's how it aired initially. In the last episode, first thing out of the barrel, they uh, reveal that Robin and Barney are divorced. Uh, they flash forward a little bit, and they're just divorced. And so what was the point of the last two years of the show then? And now we're just, in the at the very last minute, they're just divorced? It feels like the last episode of the show still feels like they did an entire season in an episode. That's really what it feels like. Uh, and I don't love that. But uh, they, I guess, were up against a clock, and it dug themselves a couple of holes that they had to just get out of. It does not bother me that they kill off the mother. Because th that show ends with the mother passing away and the kids saying, you know, Dad, we know this story isn't about how you met Mom. We know that this story is about how you end up with Aunt Robin. And that's kind of the end of the, of the thing, is the mother dies, Ted runs off to win Robin back. Again. Uh, in the most toxic relationship anybody's ever had. Um... But uh, uh, I, it doesn't bother me that they killed off the mother. I think it's actually kind of beautiful that they did it that way. It made sense that, well, of course, that is when Ted would take the time to, to tell his kids the whole damn story. It explains why he's explaining every little detail. It explains a lot of the things that happened throughout the show. I actually think... I don't think that they had much of the ending all planned out. I don't think that they had even Robin and Barney's wedding in mind when they started the show. I think that they stumbled into a lot of things, but I firmly believe that they probably always knew that they were writing this as a eulogy for the mother. I think they probably knew that from moment one. Especially because there's this really overwhelmingly heartbreaking moment in season eight when you know how it all ends. In season eight, there's a moment where Ted is talking to his kids, future Ted, voiced by the late Bob Saget, is talking to his future kids and uh, tells them that uh, uh, he, he's, he's by himself in the bar and he, he says that, uh, you know, if I'd, a, if, if I'd have known how that night was going to go, I wouldn't have gone to the thing that I was going to because just 45 days from then, I was going to meet your mother for the first time. And you kids know what I would have done. And it shows past Ted running and going to the mother's apartment and knocking on it and telling her, hey, I know this is crazy, but I'm about to meet you and we're going to be in love and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And future Ted says, uh, you know, I wouldn't have gone to the thing I would have gone to. I would have gone there. And past Ted says to her, I'm, I'm here now because that happens in 45 days. And I guess I just want those extra 45 days. And knowing that the whole show is a guy talking about his deceased wife, that scene is fucking heartbreaking. Like, I, I cried watching it. <laughs> I didn't remember it from the original viewing, because I haven't watched it in eight years. I didn't remember it, but I saw that, you know, that happen. And I was just a mess. <laughs> just just tears down the down the cheeks, into the beard, you know, and all that. And uh, that was very effective, and I think they knew how effective that would be in a rewatch. And rewatching the series, I see a lot of stuff that I kind of go, oh, this plays so differently when you know the end. And I think they always knew it would. They always designed this to be watched a second time. And I really appreciate that. 
I still think that the last episode is rushed. I still think that they did a lot that was unnecessary to get there with uh, Robin and Barney. I still think that it's dumb that Ted ends up with Robin, because the entire show up to that point has been proving why that shouldn't happen. You know? And then it happens. So, what, after 30 years, 25 years, whatever, and being married to someone that he actually loved, he still hasn't learned his lesson. That's the message of the show. Nobody ever learns their damn lesson, uh, is, is ultimately what you walk away with there. So, yeah, didn't, didn't love that, but I loved everything else about it. I still don't think he should have ended up with Robin. I think he should have ended up with Victoria. But uh, I, I loved the story of him meeting the mother. I loved the title of the show, How I Met Your Mother. I, I really enjoyed that. And I can take a bad ending when the rest of the ride was that good. And it only took me almost a decade to figure that out. <laughs> so, uh... Gonna have to buy that box set. That's all there is to it. Anybody listening to this that's in my family, don't get it for me for my birthday. I'm gonna buy that box set. <laughs> I'm gonna do that before my birthday arrives. So don't, don't put that on the list. It wasn't on the list. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to buy that. Because... I, I need those extra features, man. I need the commentaries and gag reels. I need that, and I need to see the alternate ending that they did you know, as, as an apology <laughs> to everybody who was pissed off at the end of season nine. I, uh, I was mad at that show for too long. I should have been mad at it for a weekend and then gone back to relive the stuff that I liked and been happy again on the rewatch because it all made sense, except for Ted getting back with Robin. That'll... Just never makes sense. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Turns out I like How I Met Your Mother. Took me ten years to figure that out. And, uh, now that we've got that figured out, we can move on, we can talk about other things, and we're gonna do that. talk to you about some music here, Checkmates. I've got a couple of things I've been listening to lately that are on my mind and I want to talk to you about. The first of which is a new release that came out, actually, I think, I think into February because uh, I had every intent to order it in March and that didn't happen and now it's May and I finally did. Uh, I want to say up front, just interest of disclosure, I actually know this guy. I know I know the guy who released this. I have a uh, Facebook friendship with him that I'll explain in a little bit more detail in a moment. But suffice to say, I want to talk to you about the new album by Aiden Mursky. And uh, by the way, he and I have an online friendship. I've actually never heard him say his own name out loud, but I've watched various interviews and listened to various interviews. I guess listened to. I don't think I've watched any where people have pronounced his name uh, Aiton, and I haven't heard him correct anybody, so I've been pronouncing it Aiton. And if you're listening to this, Aiton, if, if, I'm, if I'm saying that wrong, please tell me. I want to say your name right. You're a nice guy. 
uh, but Aiden Mursky put out a new album called Lord Have Mursky, which is a, a very Aiden Mursky title. He's got a, a tongue planted firmly in his cheek, does a lot of wordplay, that kind of stuff. The way that I know him is he did a song that ended up in the movie American Splendor, titled American Splendor. Uh, the movie is the story of comic genius Harvey Pekar, and Aiton had that song, and I actually don't even know the details of how that song ended up in the movie. It's interesting to note that it's not on the soundtrack for the movie, uh, which is just kind of... That, that just seems odd. <laughs> I'm assuming because it was on one of Aiton's own albums, and he just probably didn't want to do the licensing, or they, maybe they didn't even ask him because it was already copyrighted and all that stuff. But... Um, Anyway, it, it's not on the it's not on the proper soundtrack, but it's it's kind of the song that you think of from that movie if you know of any of the songs in that movie. Um, and I just I fell in love with that song at the same time that I fell in love with the movie. And when Harvey Pekar passed away, I wrote a blog post talking about an experience where I was listening to that song and somebody I was driving around. I was on Del Mar here in St. Louis, which is kind of a walking district, and if you're there in a car at certain times you're going to be stopped for a long time but I was just kind of blasting that song with my windows open and some guy like waved his hand at me and yelled Harvey Pekar at me and I waved back because Harvey Pekar just died and we both we found each other there <laughs> on Del Mar and that's the story that happened and I just kind of wrote about that and presumably Aiton was just uh looking, you know, he heard Harvey Pekar died and looked at the internet and just said, oh, let's see if anybody's talking about me. I'm kind of connected. <laughs> let's see if anybody's mentioning my song. And I was. I was I was one of the people talking about his song. And he you know, commented and said, you know, hi, and, and found me on Facebook, and we became friends. And we pop up in each other's feeds and comment on stuff and enjoy a fairly good rapport back and forth with each other. Uh, so that's 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 how I know him. Don't know him so well that I got a free copy <laughs> of the album, but do know him well enough that I got a signed copy. So uh, if you go over to the blog at emptychecking.blogspot.com, you'll see my uh, signed copy in the photos. Um, it's, it's always difficult to review the work of somebody who you know and like because you don't want to say anything bad. Uh, but the good news here, folks, is I don't have anything bad to say. Because it's a good album. It's a very Aiton Mursky album. It's fun. It's got kind of a uh, Kinks meet Jonathan Richmond meet somebody else of that ilk. Maybe a little bit of Nick Lowe thrown in there or something. It's got a very kind of, uh, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, very kind of 80s pop feel to it. Uh, because you say 80s pop, and I think that puts the wrong impression in people's minds, because people forget how much really good music was in the 80s. Uh, he's, he's not, he doesn't skew into the one-hit wonder end of cheesy 80s music. He's, like, dead in the, the part of the 80s that worked, and that was fun, and that people still love and celebrate today non-ironically. He, he has a very 80s sensibility to his song structure, uh, the production doesn't sound 80s at all. It sounds modern day and current and, and what you want that kind of music to sound like now. Uh, it's very up and, and fun feeling and very positive feeling. Uh, the lyrics aren't always in entirely positive. There's a lot of irony. There's a lot of sort of wry witticism. There's a lot of, again, a lot of wor wordplay. 
Um, but it's it's the the songs just kind of make you feel good, just kind of make you feel happy. Which isn't it nice to have an album like that every now and again? You all know I'm a gloomy guy. I love gloomy, dark, depressing music. A big fan of like the proggy stuff and like Bowie and you know like the 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 sad Bowie stuff and and you know and Lou Reed and stuff like that. Uh, but every now and again, isn't it just nice to have a an album that you pop in and you listen to and go, ah, it's gonna be a great spring, you know? And like that's that's sort of what Lord Have Mercy does for me. Just makes me feel like, yeah, I want to drive around listening to this with the windows down on a sunny day, which is exactly how Aiden and I got to know each other. I was driving around listening to one of his songs on a sunny day, and I talked about it on the internet. So that's that's kind of cool. I actually didn't connect that until I was talking to you just now. Maybe that's just a thing I have when I hear him sing. I just want to I just want to feel the sunshine. Uh, really fun album. Really good album. Ten songs long. I don't think that there's a one of them over three and a half minutes. And oh, now there's a three forty-five and a four oh six. But there's not uh, not anything terribly long. If you like a good short song, you like a guy who comes in, makes his point, and leaves. This is a great album for that. Uh, again, a lot of wordplay, a lot of you know, sort of wry wit to it. Uh, and maybe the like, the, maybe there's there's titles like uh, "Smart to Be Stupid," which maybe is what made me think of Nick Lowe with "Cruel to Be Kind." You know, <laughs> there's a lot of wordplay like that. Um, uh, and actually, "Smart Smart to Be Stupid" is one of my favorites on the album. Also, really like uh, "What Took You So Long" and uh, 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 "Pile of Leaves." I like quite a bit as well. Uh, just a fun album, man. Just a fun album. And you don't get a lot of fun albums these days. You, everybody wants to make some big, crazy-ass, like, just important statement or whatever. Not to say that what uh, Aiton does isn't important. In fact, I think what he does is very important because he's not too full of himself. And he's not, he, he isn't acting like he's got all the answers. He's just having some fun, you know, writing songs that maybe you'll like. And I do like it, and maybe you'll like it too. If you uh, want to sample his music, he's got a Bandcamp page, and it's what you would expect it to be. It's aitonmersky.bandcamp.com. I'll spell that for you because I know that's not a name that everybody runs into all the time. E-Y-T-A-N-M-I-R-S-K-Y. E-Y-T-A-N-M-I-R-S-K-Y.bandcamp.com. Go over there, listen to it, listen to his other stuff there. He's got a ton of stuff there. It's all fun, and you'll like it. Trust me. Uh, and you can buy stuff there, and he'll autograph it and do all that stuff. So, I don't know, do that. It's 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 a good album. It's a good album from a, a guy that, take my word for it, is a good guy, you know? Y- you can't lose. You can't lose by supporting that. Check out uh, Aiton Mersky's new one, Lord Have Mersky. Great album. Really fun album. Might might be on my top ten for the year. We don't know yet. We'll find out. When it happens, it happens. But he'll he'll at least get an honorable mention, if nothing else. Really liked it. I was almost... I don't want to say I was surprised by how much I liked it, because I know what he does. You know, I like I know what he does, and I know I like what he does. But uh, I was... It, it, it was just kind of... Um, just kind of a, a, a breath of fresh air in the middle of listening to all the other stuff that I've been listening to. Because I tend to listen to gloomy stuff. And that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. I, uh, uh, alongside of uh, Aiton's music, I've been listening to some gloomy music. I've been listening to the band Chamber Band, who I 
had not heard of before about three weeks ago. Uh, I follow the artist Mark with a C on Twitter, and Mark with a C is he writes really funny, fun punk songs, uh, acoustic punk songs mostly, is what he does. Uh, and they're not all funny, but they're all fun. And uh, uh, he has been going through some rough times lately, some health problems, and he's very open about that on his on his Twitter and. One of the things that he's been doing, just to kind of, one, because it lifts him up, but also because it's fun to share this kind of thing, is he's been doing just a thread of tweets that are just pictures of the albums that he's listening to that particular day. And one day he posted a a, a chamber band album called Governor's Square. And I had never heard of chamber band, but something about the cover attracted me to it. And I said, I'm going to check that out. And I checked it out, and holy crap, is it my kind of thing. Very sparse and acoustic-y and dark and kind of... Uh, I mean, th- there's some toe-tapping stuff there and some interesting stuff there, but there's just sort of... there's It's really moody in a way that just is absolutely what I look for in a project at Very Acoustic-y. They do other stuff that's a lot more guitar-driven and electric and, and rock-based, but Governor Square is... An album someone wrote for Derek, and I just fell in love with it. And I ordered a copy of the vinyl, and the guy who uh, is kind of running that, I think his name's Chris, I believe he's like the guy from Chamber Band, uh, sent me an email and said, Hey, I'll get this to you as soon as I can. He presently had a couple things going on that I probably shouldn't disclose, but that he did to me for some reason. Uh, he just said, hey, I've got, you know, this and this going on. I'll get this out to you as soon as I can. You know, thanks for your patience. And, you know, fine. No problem. What, Whatever. Take your time. I got the download because I went through their Bandcamp page. And uh, I, I got the download and listened to it. And I actually downloaded several of their albums in like a package, but I ordered the vinyl on the one that I, I first fell in love with. And uh, I just, I keep listening to that album. It's from, I think, 2017, so it's not exactly new. I d- in fact, I don't think that they've done anything for a few years now, but uh, Governor Square by Chamber Band really hit me in all the right ways, in all the right places, at just the right time. It just felt really, really good. It's the kind of album that you just want to sit down with a, a hot cup of something and just sit there and absorb that album and, and drink your hot cup of something. And maybe the lights are low and you're, you're looking out a window. That's, that's what you want to do with uh, Chamber Band's Governor's Square. And uh, I said, by the way, they're also on Bandcamp. And I probably need to find what their address is because that might not be as simple as just their name. Uh, they are at... Sorry about this. You know what? Just go to chamberband.com, and that's spelled how you would expect it to be, chamberband.com. Just go there, and it'll, it'll get you there. Uh, that's, that's how I arrived there, because I just Googled chamberband, comma, band, because for some reason chamberband started telling me about chamber music, which is not what I asked for. I asked for chamberband. But anyway, I got there eventually and bought the album, and it's uh, uh, just good stuff, man. Good stuff. I've had a lot of good stuff to report on lately, and and that feels great, you know? (laughs) Almost makes me forget that I don't have a couch in the house. But, uh, uh, yeah, I've been really digging the Chamber Band stuff. I've really been digging uh, Aiton's new album. The Cats have been digging this stuff and Amy Mann. It's been a pretty good week or so musically, and maybe check some of that stuff out. It's a good time, and you could probably use a good time. Couldn't we all use a good time in this 
surprisingly dark period in history? Couldn't we all use a good time? There's, or if not a good time, maybe chamber band fits into your slightly melancholic mood. Give, give it a shot. Give some of this music I'm talking about a shot. Maybe it'll speak to you. And even if it doesn't, what's the worst that's going to happen? It's going to make you happy for a little bit? Just, 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 come on, man. At least, at least listen to Hayton's thing. I know the guy. He's a good guy. Listen, listen to Lord Have Mercy. It's a great album. It's a great album. It'll make you feel good. Don't you want to feel good? Feel good with me and listen to music. I guess uh, <laughs> that wasn't uh, not. I'm not great at writing endings. Uh, I what are we? Forty nine minutes right now. That counts, I guess, as an episode. Sorry, it's a little bit short this week. Uh, just it's again not having a couch that changes how you experience media, and uh, it's getting hard to find stuff to talk about. Hopefully, we'll have a Fab Fifteen for you here pretty soon. Uh, if not. We'll find something to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I, I think this ended up okay. I, I had fun. I had fun talking to you, and I recommended some good stuff that you should check out. So, uh, do. Uh, thanks so much for joining me again on this episode. I, I really appreciated it. Um, hopefully soon we'll have a new couch in here, and I'll have more stuff to say. Uh, check out the blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. I'll put up some pictures of stuff that I've talked about. Uh, or be like my cats and just relax and listen to some Amy Man or whatever music is your poison and uh, just take a nice little nap. Um, in the meantime, I guess the only things I can tell you, uh, I'm working on some new music myself. Not going to be out this year, but I'm working on some new music myself, hopefully for early 2023. And uh, I think it'll be good stuff. It's a little bit different than the normal Derek Brink rock songs you get, or acoustic, folky thing that I do. It's a little different, so I, I hope I hope you'll enjoy it. Um, but uh, I don't even really know why I told you that, because I don't have a lot to say about it other than I'm working on stuff, and I'm having a good time doing it. So we'll we'll see about that. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't have a lot to. A lot to add in the outro. There's not even really anything interesting happening. <laughs> I haven't, <laughs> I haven't watched or listened to a lot, and I don't have anything going on. So, uh, except uh, my twin niece and nephew will be having a birthday this upcoming week. Happy birthday to the two of you who should not be listening to this show because I say uh, fucking shit and things on it. Uh, but happy birthday to you nonetheless. If your dad or mom wants to relay that, I don't think your mom listens to the show either, but uh, which is to her credit, uh, but uh, your dad often does. So, uh, Dave, tell your kids I said happy birthday on the day that that is, uh, which I just don't want to say on the show. I do know what day it is, but I don't want to say it on the show because uh, of privacy reasons. Um, but uh, that's coming up. My birthday is coming up at the end of the month. I'm May 29th. I'll tell you when mine is. 
It's May 29th, right before Memorial Day in there. And uh, uh, send all gifts uh, by carrier pigeon, and it'll find me if it's meant to. Uh, and if not, it'll find whoever it is meant to. Uh, but in the meantime, hey, thanks a lot. Hope you're having a hope you're having an okay time. And if you're not, we're gonna get through this thing, because uh, we've gotten through a lot already. And we'll we'll overturn the stuff that needs to be overturned. We'll 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 get the country back on the right foot. We will. And if you're not in this country, uh, well, I'm sure the same can be said of yours, probably. Everything's falling apart everywhere at the same time. We'll all get through it eventually. It can't last forever, right? I don't know. I'm trying out being positive. It's a new look for me. It's kind of a bad look for me. Cynicism's more, uh, my, that's, that's a little bit more in my wheelhouse. I should probably stay in my lane, keep being, keep being a cynic. But, you know, having these cats around and walking around with love in my heart's been good for me in a way that might not be good for everybody else. because uh, <laughs> you gotta deal with a positive Derek. Not, not great. Not, not good at it yet. But we're trying. And while I keep trying, uh, please remember to keep taking the pandemic seriously. It is still ongoing, even though it looks better than it did. There's also some things indicating that numbers are climbing. And uh, just please continue to be careful and be responsible. Get vaccinated, get boosted, etc., etc. Please remember that black lives matter, that trans rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights. And I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. But apparently, I do. For some of you. Not most of you. Probably not all of you. Not a lot of jerks listen to this show. Uh, otherwise, be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. Also, Bruce McCullough has aged ridiculously well. <laughs> <laughs>